They sitting up when I touch. I'm giving you the really. I'm giving you the really. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my heart. This could take you to the dealership. Cop the whip that you wanna. Don't come back with that under. Have a whip game so proper. They looking up when they talking down, down. Cause you know, cause you know, cause you know. That they don't approve if you don't let it show. But we got nothing to prove, my nigga. Like we got nothing to lose, money. My homies are rolling, pushing the whip like a stone. I fall in the morning, I fall in the morning. My homies are rolling, pushing the whip like a stone. I fall in the morning, I fall in the morning. I just finished bartending and it's 3 a.m. Heard you out the after party with your girlfriends. With your girlfriends. Like your girlfriends, they about the life. Every time I'm in the building, man, they on the way. White girl rocking off her. Her favorite song is Chingin' the Raider. She got an X-Man like a scissor. But she stick to the script like a nutter. I brought some ramen pineapple to my ting ting. She said, please keep it quiet. My roommates are sleeping. So I'm quietly creeping. Under the bed, I'm overachieving. In tango, she's in with the daughter key. I like them when you stick before she gets to me. <laughs> then I got a text from a man saying, Where you at? We got a debt. It's 4 a.m. My homies are real. Pushing the whip like a stone, I fall in the morning. I fall in the morning. My homies are rolling. Pushing the whip like a stone, and I fall in the morning. I fall in the morning. Don't need a phone in the morning. My homies are rolling. Jesus Christ, that was a heavy night. What went on? It's moments like this where I take a step back and I think about all the things that are good in my life. Talking brewskis, Marissa Smith, that's who you see. Water cooler combo in here. Crack a cold over on the air. Big talking brewskis, Marissa Smith, that's who you see. Water cooler combo in here. Crack a cold over on the air. Kicking back, having a few beers, we're chatting. Pull up your chair, we're all relaxing. Any subject, we never dismiss. Big talking brewskis with Marissa Smith. Comedy, sex, relationships, war. Any subject, we got it in store. Big talking brewskis is coming in live. Crack when no bin, Marissa has arrived. Big talking brewskis with Marissa Smith.
Hey guys, happy Friday. This is Big Talk and Brewskies. I'm Marissa Smith, and we've got Rodney Daniels with us. What's up, folks? Happy Friday. We've got Peter Garacci with us. Yeah, say it with confidence. You okay. said it right. All right, because I, I was just like, ah, too many vowels. I can't do it. And then we've got Dara Jamat with us. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Crack yeah, it open. Crack it open. It's Brewski's so, time. Uh, Peter, how was your week? Uh, so far, so good. I just did a show at Gotham on Wednesday. Nice. Um, and I'm here tonight. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Other than that, uh, I bought Pinocchio on Blu-ray, which was great. <laughs> oh, I didn't wow. even know that was available on Blu-ray. I didn't know it either. Is that you know, like I guess we're all around the same age. Where, like Disney movies would disappear for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they went mm-hmm. in the vault. Yeah, yeah, the vault, the vault. And so, um, it's but real quick. My, my mom has every Disney movie on VHS. Oh, wow. And I found a stash one day, and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? She goes, I'm saving this for my grandkids. This was 15 years ago. Okay. <laughs> well, she, um, I, I, nobody in my family knows how to make money on anything, so I don't believe she's going to make any money. <laughs> Wait, but VHS like, tapes are worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, if they're like sealed, like certain ones. Yeah. Oh, wow. But um, I was like, Mom, you're not going to be able to find a VCR. And she goes, oh, no, I have one of those, too. Oh. So like, I was thinking about that because I had always heard that you can't get these movies. And then I went to Best Buy and they had Pinocchio. Uh-huh. And I was like, I got to get this. Yeah. Maybe they opened the vault for it Pinocchio. It holds up. It's yeah. great. Didn't Lion King, I feel like, just like something's happened. So like a commercial. It's like maybe. Lion King like coming out like on DVD or something. It's possible. Or, like, yeah. Yeah, I think so. You would think that would like have been out because it's like... Yeah, but I think yeah. it probably went in the vault because, like, yeah. what is it, like, 25 years or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Lion King is that old. Lion King's Fuck. mad old. Yeah. Or maybe it's, <laughs> it's at least... Well, uh, 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 think about it. It's 17 years old? Okay, right. Maybe. Pinocchio yeah. is 1940. Right. Yeah. I was going to say I saw it in the movie okay. theater as well. And the play several times when I was young. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that means it had to be important when I was young, and I'm not young anymore. Yeah. Oh, well, the play is not super old. I no. feel like. Yeah. It had to be of relevance. You know, the movie had to be of relevance in order to be a play. Right, right. You know? yeah. And I was like 12 when I saw the play. So it's just weird. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Pinocchio holds up. It's great. And it's funny because I didn't, I mean, you know, I don't remember what it was, what it was from when I was, you remember certain things, but I'm watching it and. Like the whole story is he's got to be a good boy, and, and that's what—that's how he'll become real by be, going to school. And the way that he's tempted is by joining the theater, which I think is hilarious. Oh. Like that's like the dark side that he's tempted to to become like <laughs> a bad kid. It's like a, a life of an actor, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're lying. That's why. Uh, so, Dara, how was your week? I had a great week, um, much better than last week. Um, last week I had my shit auctioned on storage. Yay! Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's good to release stuff. And I yeah. don't know if I would have uh, ever released a lot of stuff. So it's good to like you got to let things go in order to get stuff. I just got a full scholarship to Magnet Theater. Thank you. Wow. Oh, congratulations! Um, thank you. So I'm very excited about that. I just got the email today. Congratulations! I got a phone call from an agent today. So I, congratulations! Yeah, if that storage stuff had to go in order to get things moving in my life, then so be God. Well, yeah. well the week before the storage, we were on a show together, and I we, won the competition. And she, she was a, I was a judge. The judge show. I was I judged, and she won the competition. 
delicious. Yes, we're yes. looking at Eric on his 2017 Broadway Comedy Club winner. Right yes, here. Yes, absolutely. Oh, nice. Derek Jamar. Yes, thank you very <laughs> much. I had so much fun in that competition. Yes, I'm going to be doing another show um, with John, who's very nice. Oh yeah, I, like I love John that's a lot. that's my boy. Yeah, he's great. But yeah, competition. And that was my second competition that I won. Oh. Um, in a week. So yeah, things are in ebbs and flows. Yep. Taking that's life one step at a time. That's how yep. it goes, Feast or man. Famine. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- it's been like struggle 17, yeah. um, but it's in a good way. So, yeah, I'm happy one day at a time. And I'm just happy to be here. It's it has day. been like struggle 17. It's been like a weird year. Yeah. 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 All together. Just yeah, a weird it's year. weird. Just like, okay, we're alive. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this together. <laughs> So, Rodney, how was your week? Uh, my week was was good. It was just working, working the nine to five. I got like a new job, so congratulations! Trans- oh, thank you, thank you. So, I'm working Congrats. at a restaurant um, that's like attached to the W, so it's really fancy schmancy. Um, but then also still like working the bartending gig that I'm like working. So, you know, I'm on like double number three this week. So, another one tomorrow. You know, life of a hustler. Yeah, getting that money. You know, making that money. So. And then uh, Marissa booked me on her show, so nice. Yeah, we'll be hosting. Yeah, yeah fashionably funny. Fashionably funny. Yes, we've got a fashionably funny coming up September 29th. Oh yeah, Broadway, 10 p.m. Doing it, Marissa. How was your week? Um, my week was good. You know, it was uh, a lot of uh, you know, like work, and then like back end, like production stuff, like you know, like booking because. I, I I book like a fiend, like you know, <laughs> it's like yeah. I like sometimes I forget. It's just like oh yeah, I'm booking 76 shows a year. Yeah, um, so you know it it, it sometimes I'm just like ah, stop emailing me five minutes. Like <laughs> 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 so, uh, you know I I kind of needed that like Labor Day. I just kind of like Labor Day weekend. I just kind of hid. So like I was just like. I'm not talking to anyone about anything. I'm just going to be in my house. So that was like, it was like good and relaxing. And then this week was just a, like catching up and just a lot of work. Um, and I found a new therapist. Oh, nice. that's, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Nice. So I, I, last week I broke up with my therapist on text. Good yeah. for you. Oh, wow. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So because then, you got to do that sometimes. Yeah. He deserved yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. So now this I I found a new one so I'm gonna start that next week. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, so you haven't had your so you don't know yet if you. Yeah, I don't know if if we're compatible. So it's yet. like it's a it's a first date. Yeah, yeah, it's a therapist. first therapy date. Yeah, yeah, hmm. which is we'll important. See. My yeah. my I had a therapist and he would always be on the phone during our sessions. Uh, like texting. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. In a way it felt like an like a neglectful relationship, you know? Um, see like if I, I was wanted a man issues. not to listen to me, I would just have like a boyfriend and I'm paying I was you. Say, I already did that with and my not right. listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my problem Oh man. <laughs> and he's like, uh huh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep on going. Oh mm-hmm. wow, that's crazy. Like, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I wish you well with your therapist. Yeah, I had that kind of problem. He was like he was like taking phone calls mm-hmm. and it's like some of them were like patients. Some of them was his wife. And it's just like, it's like, no, that's fine. I will pick it up. I'll pick it up from the grocery store on my way. And okay. All right. I got, you know, and you just, would think that the wife of a therapist would understand like my husband's at work. Seriously. I can't really call him right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Like she would know that. Or yeah. Like she would call you would, on the ten. You know what I mean? Or yeah. On the five. Exactly. I know you only have I know. three minutes, babe. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or session. here's when your lunch break is. That's yeah. when the call's gonna happen. Not yeah. like. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. That, and then, like, I would get there and, like, be on time for my session. He's like, oh, I, I got to go get something to drink. And he'd go get a coffee and come back. Like. Oh, that's <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing to me that nothing that anybody do does anymore has enough of their attention that they can just focus on that one task. You know, like, mm-hmm. people are, like, crashing trains because they're texting while driving a train. Like, driving and texting. Like, I was, like, I, I remember... When I was a kid, there was this argument about whether or not they should have daytime running lights on cars. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, like 24 hours, like your car always had headlights on. And the idea was, if the lights are on, you're going to notice the car. And my friend, we were arguing this in class, and he goes, you already don't notice the car. How are you going to notice the lights? And it's like, it, it makes me think about now, it's like, we're driving these like metal death machines, and that's not enough to capture our attention that we have to find another thing to do while we're doing it. Like, you could kill a school of children in 30 seconds driving a car but god forbid you don't check your instagram at the same time like i mean nobody yeah. can focus on anything anymore it's crazy the, right the funniest thing is though like people in, in the respect of driving i don't drive i drink too much to drive but um, yes <laughs> at least you know cheers but yeah i feel like people are always doing crazy things when they're driving you know like i've seen people do their nails and like makeup and eating i make up that's the you thing makeup no like watching people like when they're like doing like eyeliner uh-huh. and it's just like i can't like friggin' talk and do eyeliner without poking my eye exactly. like how are you driving and doing eyeliner <laughs> like if i'm doing my <laughs> eyeliner it's like hold on eyeliner <laughs> like you're like, i can't even keep both eyes open at the, at same, the same time, time i'm like to do uh, it like yeah it's amazing it's a, amazing a yeah. couple years ago i was driving down the new jersey turnpike in, in like weekend summer traffic and a dude was playing a flute with both hands while driving i swear what? to god oh. he oh, was steering with his knees, with his knees. With it his was it made me so happy to see this guy this guy who just played like, please don't kill me yeah. <laughs> it was, like I, I couldn't stop laughing it made me so happy was to see he on his way to an audition or something no like, why is it that important time. that you gotta practice he right was sitting in the same then. traffic as everybody else he just found like, he just found a way <laughs> oh my god that's crazy oh man um so peter have you ever had any near-death experiences uh, uh, I feel like I have them all the time. Uh, let's see. When I was 17, I totaled a car and walked away from it with my sister in the car. That was pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, it's funny. I, I gave a speech at her wedding, um, because I never got along with her, um, Is growing that why up. you tried to kill her? No, no, I wasn't trying to kill her. <laughs> it's funny, because I, you know, my, my father had all these rules when I, when I got my driver's license, because I'm the oldest son. It's like, you got to drive your siblings to school. Son. You can't drive at night. You can't drive when it's raining, all this stuff. And he had this old like uh, Mercedes like diesel car like built like a like it was like mm-hmm. a 1985 it like oh, yeah. like diesel like crazy car and I spent the whole day cleaning it for him and I was like Dad I cleaned the car can I take the car out and he's like all right you can take your sister to to color guard practice whatever it was and we like a couple minutes from the house we spun out of control mm. and flipped down an embankment and flipped right side up again and I gave this speech at at her wedding because. Like I said, I never really liked her and got along with her. But in that moment, like, really, like, time stands still. And the only thing that I remember thinking is, dear God, don't let my sister get hurt. 
And, and oh. for the first moment, it dawned on me, like, oh, I like this person. <laughs> I actually care about her. But, like, uh, I don't like my sister, but I love her. Yeah, no, it, it was weird because yeah. I was such a, like, like a jerk, like, being, like, a teenage older brother, you know? But, um, yeah, so that happened, walked away from that. Uh, and years later, I uh, fell through a trap door at my restaurant job. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it was crazy. Um Literally, I w- used to work at this place where it was a small place, and there was curtains that let you into the kitchen, and they had a trap door that led to the prep kitchen. It was so small that in the middle of service, they'd have to open the trap door, run downstairs, and the trap door was basically the whole length of one wall of the kitchen. So you, they would put a bin like the where you put the dirty napkins, yeah. and if you felt the bin behind the curtain that said, don't go in because the trap door's open. Well, I went in there with a handful of plates, and by the time I felt the bin, I f- also felt myself falling straight down, oh, wow. like 10 feet, and um, it was crazy. Like I literally remember I somehow landed with my feet in front of me like I was sitting on the floor, and uh, you know they came down. Everybody was like going crazy. I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I, I wiggled my toes, wiggled my fingers, and then uh, t- ambulance came. They took me to the hospital. CAT scans, X-rays, nothing. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. Oh, perfect. But uh, it's funny because well, the uh, like the prep cook that was there who like saw it, the accident happen, who was probably more scared of anyone because he actually like I don't even remember the actual accident. Like right. he witnessed it, and he's, he would always joke with me. He's like, he goes, I don't know how many more lives you got left. You sure. know, you <laughs> keep. But it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy thing. And then, uh, like, two months later, a guy rear-ended me on the highway, and I almost went into the wall right by the Newark airport. Oh, wow. And, like, in a split second, had to, like, catch myself. And it's funny because, you know, the fall, like, there was nothing I could do. Like, I'm just falling. That's it. But this was, like, I had a second. Like, I got to do something here. And I somehow managed to get the car in control, pull over the side of the road. And this this still kills me to this day. This old guy gets out of his car, checks his bumper first. Oh, and I was like, "You almost killed me!" Like, I was worried about whether or not I'm alive first. Literally, went to look at his bumper first, and then he said, uh, "He goes here, write down your information for me. I'm not wearing my glasses, so I can't see what it says on my insurance." Oh wow, that's, that's why crazy. you probably hit me in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got into an accident too, where um I was driving, and then a guy decided to like make a left hand turn from the right hand lane. I was in his blind spot. My car completely flipped over in the oncoming traffic. And it was like upside down, oh and I had to like get out of my seatbelt. And like a a trucker like came over and like got like the door open for me, and then my car like ended up in flames. It was geez, oh my god, oh, wow. crazy, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but I got out. But like, at least the guy gave me a hug that hit me. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. But Ressa, you had the you had a near death experience too. I've had a couple. Like, I've definitely had a couple. Uh, I was actually, I mean, near death as in dead. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I had I flatlined twice in one day. What? Um, mm-hmm. From uh, pistachio ice cream. Oh so God. I had anaphylactic shock, and so uh, they, I first I, I went in. I, I I ate the ice cream, and I started not feeling well, and the whole room went sideways. And I fell off my chair, and my roommates all thought I was playing around, and they're like, "Oh, Marissa," and I was just like, "No, like I can't. Like my throat feels weird." And then, like, my tongue started swelling, and I didn't have any, like, antihistamines with me, but they were, like, in my apartment. But I, they took me back home, and then, like, I only had the pill, and I didn't have a liquid, and I couldn't swallow it. So then they called 911, and, like, by that time, I was kind of, like, in and out of consciousness. And so um, the last thing I remember is, like, the EMTs got there. They put an oxygen mask on me, 
And my roommate, she went with me into the ambulance. And so they gave me um, the shot of uh, epinephrine, but they gave me too much and it gave me a heart attack and a flatlined. Oh, my God. And so then they revived me, like, in the ambulance with the paddles. And then I came back, too, but my heart was still irregular. So then they gave me something to slow my heart down. And then they gave me too much of that and I flatlined again. And then they, like revived me and then finally got my heart regulated and so i woke up in the hospital like three days later and oh my god yeah so and it's funny because like my roommate from college uh, i went to her uh baby shower a couple of years ago and someone made brownies and so there was a batch of brownies with no nuts and a batch of brownies with nuts and so then she was just like, who made the brownies? And this one lady is just like, oh, I made the brownies. She's like, did you use the same baking pan with the ones with the nuts as you did without the nuts? And then she's like, yes. And then she's like, okay, Maris, um, I wouldn't eat the brownies with no nuts. But if you really feel like you need to have a brownie, let's have an exit strategy. Okay, let's. we've got a car in the front. The hospital is 10 minutes away. And she's like, and I'm like, dude. Let's relax. I won't eat the brownies. Just like, <laughs> 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 like, like, well, it's funny because I've worked in restaurants for a long time, and the allergy thing, I like it when people like. There's people who have like the card, and they, you know, you present it to the chef. Like that to me says like this is a person who takes responsibility. This is a serious issue, and they're in charge of their life. But then I also deal with like parents who like. Like, you know, they want to get dessert for their kid who has a peanut allergy. And I say, you know, th- there's peanuts in the room. Is that going to affect them? They're like, I don't, I don't know. Do you think it's bad? I'm like, don't put your life or your child's life in my hands. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm a stranger, and you don't even have my undivided attention. <laughs> like, right. What are you doing? No, what really gets me are the assholes that will tell you after they put you put your, your food in, oh, yeah, does that have nuts in it? Like, fool. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> they, your food's here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've always thought I've never done this, but I think yeah. about writing like a like a pamphlet for guests to how to get the most out of their restaurant experience. Because I feel like we in the industry we basically lie to the guests and tell them everything that they do is okay and whatever you want, and then we talk about them behind their backs. But we should like like I think you literally should tell people. Like the stupid shit that they do that makes we, them we, not get the best. We've talked about this one here. I feel like there needs to be a class that you take in like high school where it teaches you how to do at at a restaurant, restaurant etiquette, things it's, that you do, things that's that you why do not parents. do. Well, like, but it's but like, then the parents act the fucking fool with the restaurant yeah, too. Yeah, not even so, that. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be you could be a, you know an attorney, like a corporate lawyer, or whatever, and you just don't know how to act. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm like, do you get through the whole day like this? Like, yeah. Like, it's funny that we're talking about like acting in restaurants and how to act in restaurants because. My near-death experience ended in a restaurant uh-huh. um, with my parents. Well, I was shipwrecked um, and thought I was going to die. And the entire boat was just like submerged with water. And my mom's trying to use the water pump to get it out. And um, the cabin that I had been sleeping in is completely filled with water at this point. And it was like, oh, we're going to die because we can't get this water pump out. And then the air horns you tried to use did not work. Um, and I had like, I was taking swim lessons and I was like, maybe I can save everyone. I was like, no, I can't. Um, so then my father got the boat to Heart Island and my mom scaled the wall like it was a cliffhanger. It was like a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't think I was going to be able to get up there and she just grabbed my arm and like flung my entire body up there. And she says that she didn't do this, but she turned around to my father and she's like, you 
Fend for yourself. <laughs> man, it's me, like I got my baby. Exactly. Like I got my baby. You do what you do. I don't care. Uh, you got me in this in the first place. Exactly. You know I didn't want to get on that boat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like the rescue boat came and got us. Um, and we ended up going to this restaurant and we were just all dirty. And my parents ordered two double bourbons and I ordered like 12 uh, like a dozen oysters and we just sit there really dirty in a restaurant and I'm like my parents would normally never let me do this but <laughs> <laughs> we just lived so right in right in like city right around city island like oh wow yeah, oh right wow we, we used to just rent a boat and my father you know had sailing lessons and luckily knew enough to get us out of there did you yeah. guys go sailing after that again? not for a long time right? <laughs> <laughs> that's why she left I'm like oh well, you the one with the sailing lessons yeah, huh? now you're gonna figure time. it out and then also um I told you I hire a captain exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I need several sailors on the boat. <laughs> um, but my storage facility, I was actually robbed at gunpoint in the storage facility, oh. too. Oh that God. was another reason where I was just like, you know what? Keep this shit. I'm done with this place. Because this dude definitely walked in with a gun and robbed us all. Well, I was able to slide my money back in my pocket. But he definitely robbed <laughs> the money from public storage. So, well, you just yeah. made, made me think. Like, I, when I got into the accident when I was 17, the accident was, uh, was me alone. There was no other cars involved. But for years after that... I would have, like, I'd be on the highway, and I would have, like, sort of, like, visions, like, anxiety of getting into an accident with another car. Uh And and my accident had nothing to do with being on the highway with other cars. But, like, that's how it manifested itself. Um, And, uh, yeah, I I actually, now that I think about it, I was in, I, I went backpacking in Europe when I was 19. And my, you know, some people in my family were like, oh, what if something happens? I'm like, no, I want to do this thing. And, um... I was on a train from, from Paris to Nice. It's an overnight train. You sleep on the train. And like two hours into it, I started getting like really bad pain in my side. Ended up having to get off the train and go to the hospital. It turns out I had a kidney stone. Oh, wow. And so I spent the day, uh, spent two days in the hospital uh, in Dijon, France. And like my mom was calling the embassy. She was calling the airline. She was going to go over there. It's, it's funny. I think about it. Every time I talk to my dad on the phone, I'm like, no, dad, I'm okay. Like everything's fine. I'm just sitting here in the hospital. But every time I talk to my mom on the phone, I'm like, mommy, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all alone in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I didn't go back. Like I, and I, I, it took me years to like travel again. Because well, of that experience, you know? That's what my dad says. One of his biggest regrets with the whole boat thing is not putting me on a boat immediately. He's like, I should have had you on a boat the very next day. Because when I got into a car accident, he said, he was like, get in the car right now. Because we're, yeah. we're not going to have that happen for you where you have this thing where you can't get. He's just like, you got to, if something happens, you got to tackle that bitch again, right? Like right away. Well, this is all comedy gold talking about death and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> this actually makes me think Yo, about you got to laugh at it, though. When I was yeah. in the armed robbery, I was writing jokes on the way home. I was like, you know, <laughs> there's sexier places to die than public storage. I mean, I like the, the brain just kept on going because I was like, I'm alive. I have a comedy show tonight, and yeah. the only thing that I'm really living for right now is to get on stage. So, like, I'm happy to be alive, and, uh, yeah, this is all material. I got robbed at gunpoint, too, in L.A. Really? And, yeah, and it was just like, 
It's like a movie. It, yeah. It's, it's like, like, what the fuck? Where are my lines? Happening <laughs> here. Like, what the fuck? I call my dad crying. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Buy me that plane ticket home now. <laughs> He's like, Ronnie, relax. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> where is this public storage? Oh, Kingston and St. John. Fuck y'all. <laughs> public storage on Kingston and St. John. Y'all can suck I got it. mugged without a gun. But I didn't, like, I, uh, I, I, I used to live in, in Jersey. Uh, what part? Uh, Elizabeth. That's where I'm originally from. But then oh, okay. we left. I'm from Teaneck. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm from Elizabeth, and then my family moved to a f- actually a farm uh, by the Poconos. But then for a couple years, I lived back in Elizabeth at my grandma's house, and I, you know, like old Italian neighborhood. And I was walking at night, and I in in the neighborhood, I felt safe. Like I had just actually gone through the worst part of Elizabeth, which is right by the train station. But now I'm in the neighborhood, and I'm like I'm listening to a podcast. I, like I have like no situational awareness at all. Like talking about people who are not paying attention when they're driving. Like I'm sitting there, <laughs> and um, kid walks past me. And uh, looks at me, smiles at me, and goes, oh, did I scare you? And I go, no, I just didn't realize anybody was behind me. And he just seemed like he was okay. You know how like, you, you like, like assess threats? He seemed like he was okay. And he kept walking. And then I turned around, and there was two more guys behind me. And I was like, oh, now I know what's going to happen. And they didn't, you know, and people were like, did they pull a gun? Did you fight? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, listen, I've talked to enough people, and I've heard enough things. It's like, what's the best case scenario here? I get my nose broken i get my ribs broken like i'm not gonna fight three guys i had 30 dollars in my pocket they're like you have an iphone i was like actually i have the blackberry and i think it's a superior product i don't know why anyone's I getting agree. excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> they I literally agree. didn't take my blackberry i ah, ran home hilarious. i ran home and i reached in my pocket and my blackberry was still in my pocket i was like oh shit but uh and still like talking about like the trauma for for months after that i would get like flashes of anger uh-huh. i would like clench my fist in the middle of doing something else because of that that remembering that experience oh, yeah. it's crazy how that stuff lives with you it does it's but i'm sorry oh, i didn't mean to interrupt no, i was saying like with resilience i'm i'm plugging a book that i'm reading right now there's this book called anti-fragile it's by this guy nasim nicholas talib i think i'm saying that right and i like i'm, I'm always like an evangelist for whatever i'm like whatever movies i love or books i love and it's it's very much about like being Basically, he, like, he invented this term anti-fragile to mean things that are actually get stronger from stress. Yeah. So there's, there's fragile things that break because they're, they're fragile. There's things that are resilient and they can withstand stress, like, like a house that's built to withstand an earthquake, say. Yeah. But <clears> then there's things that actually get better with stress. Like what you were saying, it's interesting. What like you're a saying, diamond. Yeah. What, you, what you're saying about your, your father's point about I think one of the problems in today's society – is that we think that we have to protect people and children, especially from stress and from bad things happening. Mm-hmm. And if anything, we have to teach them how to work through that stuff so that they can Absolutely. be strong. Yeah. Again, comedy gold. I'm just throwing yeah, out yeah. nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> so now, Dara, yes. uh, I know you're uh, a, a comic like the rest of us. And uh, are you single or are you dating? I'm professionally single. You're professionally single. Hey, are, you better be a pro. Okay. <laughs> I'm a 401k in this bitch. <laughs> So now, uh, do you, like, use apps at all, or? No. Okay. My Uh-oh. thing is, I'm not an online shopper. I'm a tangible shopper, so if I can't buy shoes online, I can't buy dick online. It just isn't going to 
Girl, girl, you gotta get in dick online. <laughs> I tried. Dick on demand. I tried, but I did actually learn that people are using. I did a video uh, called "Fuckboy Commandments," and I did actually learn that people are putting that video in their Tinder profile, which I fully 100% support. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, is there streaming dick that you can pay like eight dollars a month for? I wouldn't you pay for dick. <laughs> I don't. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> So now, um, do you find that it's more difficult to date being a comic, or did you think that it was like uh, more difficult to date before you started doing comedy? I think the struggle has been about the, the same. same. Yeah. I think with comedy, I just found like a lifestyle that um, matches what I was kind of already doing, and now I just have a really good excuse for it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel like any guy who wasn't okay with what I was doing before isn't going to be okay with what I'm doing now. Um, but it does take something, you know, and I haven't been in a relationship while I've been in comedy. I haven't been in a relationship since like 2015. Um, but yeah, I I think it really takes some level of understanding and, you know, there's a lot of late nights and there's a lot of, you know, people talking and it's going to take someone who's confident in you and the relationship and what you have, um, and not also feel threatened or outshined because, I've yeah. dealt with that with guys, and that's just like, Ugh. and they're like, "Ooh, you're too shiny. I'm a dull you." And I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, bitch. you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Uh, right? Hello, <laughs> no, no, this. <laughs> <laughs> do you tell them immediately, or do you like? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I don't. No, I'm like, hey, I'm a comedian. <laughs> no, um, but if it comes up in conversation, yeah, it's not something I keep a secret. I think that it's it's more difficult because like I've been in relationships before and after and I've been, you know, doing comedy for a minute and um I I find that I've had relationships with uh comics and relationships with non-comics and you would assume that the, the ones with the, like the relationships with the comics would be a little bit smoother because they understand because they're doing it, but it's not the case. No. It's not the case at all. at all. And then, like, the relationships with, like, non-comics, it's just kind of, like, to your point where they're just like, you know, like, why are you out so late? Like, well, who are all these people? And your fr- friends are so weird. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> True, true, and true. <laughs> if, I had a, if I had a daughter who wanted to be a comedian, I would tell her to marry rich. I think, like, the easiest thing to do is just to get... Like, I think that... I don't know. I, part of me thinks that, like... like if marrying the rich perfe- was easy, I would have well, already I, think, right, I, I already told my father I was going to per- do that. I think right. the, perfect, <laughs> the perfect match is, like, squares and artists. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's, like, too much artist is no good. Too much square is no good. Like, yeah. I, I think there has to I be, like, to a be balance. I think creative squares. You know? Yeah. They have to kind of be... There, I agree. There needs to be, like, a, a, a balance there. A yin and a yang, as I heard it is. Apparently, it's not yang. It's right. yang. Uh-oh. I just learned that. I don't know if that's true or not. But, yeah, there has to be that kind of balance. But I feel like that person still needs to have like at least for me has to have a a, a sense of creativity yeah you know, it can't just be like or appreciation words. you know I, it's funny because like I've, I've had you know millions of these conversations i'm sure you guys have too it's like like being an artist and being an artist and making a living are two different things yeah. and i think right. i think we're kind of spoiled because we just happen to be living in a time period where you know the last 50 years we've seen artists make millions tens hundreds of millions of dollars but if you look at like history like artists are also different from creatives though I yeah just make that no no and i and I, I i i there's definitely a whole you know a whole broad spectrum of of different kinds of people who either appreciate art or make art or want to do it as a hobby or do want to do it as their life but this idea that you like i think we put a lot of pressure 
I'll speak for myself. I, I know I'm going to put, put a lot of pressure on myself that not only do I have to be an artist and live like an artist, but I have to make my living as an artist and I have to be. And if, you know, you use that yardstick, like, well, look at, you know, Brad Pitt is making blah, blah, blah. But it's like, if you look at most of history, like Michelangelo, you know, wasn't, you know, Living, mm-hmm. living it up. A lot of these guys, like they died, you know, like destitute, or like I, I love. I always look to like Herman Melville. Like, wrote Moby Dick, was a failure. D- like I think he was actually the, um, he was like the customs inspector down here in the port. Lived thirty years. Thought he died like wanting to be an artist, and then like a hundred years later, people are like, oh, that book Moby Dick is like a masterpiece. But to him and to his friends and to his family, he was a guy who was playing at being a novelist. You know what I mean? So, but well, I think that... Sorry. Oh, well, I just kind of wanted to say, what is your distinction between a creative and an artist? I think a create. I think we're all creative, right? And we all... I w- would say artists, but that's a fucking lie. But we all have the opportunity each day to create what we want our life to look like, right? In in, oh. in any instance, we can create a good day or we can create a bad day, and we right. literally have the paintbrush to do that on a daily basis. The secret, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 that's why I say creative because you you know I could date an accountant, but he could have a way of helping me create a an Excel document that is going to yeah. have the entire document, like uh, roster of every agent in New York city. And that's going to help me create something, you know, that's, yeah. that, that is, that's that kind of the creative that I'm talking about. There's the artist that actually takes like a medium and they're like, okay, this is my intention. This is what I want to create. They're kind of one and the same to, to that. But I didn't want, I, when, um, what was your name again? Peter. Peter, sorry, Peter. <laughs> when Peter was making um, his point, I didn't want it to make it sound like when I said I want to make sure the person I'm dating is, crea- is a, a creative, I didn't want it to be lost in the sauce of I meant he had to be like a painter or like yeah. a poet right, you right. Know, or, or a fellow comedian because to your point, that does not necessarily No, it doesn't work. Either. I mean, I've, if, you know. Yeah. So I think we're, we're along the lines of saying basically the same thing. But that for me, there's just that that little bit of a distinction between creative and an artist like right. and another thing i wanted to say to what you said was you know so many people um and like true artists they live for their art and they live to create and they live in this exclusion or like an outlier of what people think is normal society okay and they live that way forever and i think the hard part is finding someone who's like that's cool I want to be with that. Yeah. No matter how weird it is, no matter how crazy it is, just kind of like riding your wave of creativity. Well, it's and that's hard to yeah. find. Sometimes it's difficult because they don't really like those like true artistic types that are are in that like another level, their own wavelength, like marching to the beat of their own drum. Mm-hmm. They don't. I think that it's impossible to have a relationship with them because they're in a relationship with their art. Like, they don't need another partner. Like, they have their life partner. Like, their art is their partner. So it's kind of like you need to be willing to say to yourself, like, I'm okay being second to everything. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that... I don't know that many people that are okay with that or should be okay with that. Like, I think if you have a healthy self-respect you shouldn't be okay with being second unless they have a kid or something like that. i absolutely agree but this is also a part of the conversation of just being able to create what you want it to look like because it could be anything you know the person who's going to choose that person could have their own they could have 
could have a whole other life, but just really want to love that person and be a part into that person. And you're right. There's a minute amount of people who would even want to put themselves in that position. And, and I'm not saying lose yourself for that person's art, but yeah, that per like that person that we're talking about, that right. is that artist, like, I'm about my art. Yeah. I want to smell blue. Like, yeah. that yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say that that person is incapable of being loved. I because blueberries. Smell it. Exactly. <laughs> I need you to smell this. I ate blueberries. Tell me what it smells like. <laughs> I just, I always like to think that there is like a purple hippopotamus club for everybody. You know what I mean? And there might just have one person in that club in every state. But that's that. That's that tribe for you. So I yeah. don't want to say that that person who le- wants to smell blue can't be loved. There's someone. But that person's probably not even in playing the game to find that person. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm going to say they can't be loved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone right. to be loved, flower child. Okay. <laughs> Wait, but I think that's another thing. So like if you look historically, like look at these people's lives, like what did, what did their lives look like? Do you know what I mean? It's not, a lot of it is not, we, we make romantic notions. I'm always like, my big obsession is like with time. Because like even if like, obviously my, my dream is to be a full-time performer and, and filmmaker, whatever that means. But it's like, what do I do with the rest of my time? Like, I'm always curious, like, what people do with the rest of their time. Because a lot of, like, novelists say they, they write maybe three hours a day. And then the rest of the day, they're doing other stuff. So it's like we remember them as artists or we think of ourselves as artists. But the fact is, life is a lot of other stuff, too. And I think yeah, that's where the craziness like is or that's where the, the people who can't, like, learn to, like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a painter and I'm a great painter, but my kids need my attention, too. Or my wife right. needs my attention too. Like that's where you, yeah. s- you hear these crazy so, stories. Peter, how um, have you been dating since you were a comic? Or- uh, well, I I have a kind of a weird comedy story because I I did stand up for the first time when I was eight years old. Oh wow! In like a in a like a talent show, and it, it's it, it's funny because like I had these vivid memories of this. I don't know what gave me this inclination that I should do this. I was like a shy kid in school, and um, I just decided I was going to do stand up. And I literally did it in front of the entire school, like in like an assembly. And I remember there was this girl that I had a crush on, but I would never like go up and say hello to her. Mm-hmm. And I would see, I would walk past her desk every day in class, and I just kind of look and walk to the back. And I did stand up, and like the next day, mind you, we were eight years old. I see her, and she goes, "Oh, you were really f- funny, Peter." And I was like, I was on cloud nine. I'm like, "What am I going to do about it? It's not like we're going to like start dating. We're eight years old." Yeah. But um, then I didn't do it again for years, and I was always like kind of dipping my toes in. Um, to stand up and and just never committing, but I really the last couple of years is when I've really been like gung ho, um, doing stand up, and I was in a serious relationship up until a few months ago. The whole time I was doing stand up. Okay. So that was it was that was tough, but it was also great. For one thing, I always had a plus one for every bringer. I was guaranteed oh, okay. at least one guest. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, like she was she was interesting because she didn't know anything about comedy, was not interested in comedy, didn't know the world at all. And, you know, they would, like, put her on the front of the, in the club, and then every comedian would, like, say stuff to her, like, doing crowd work, and then she would get pissed because she wouldn't know how to handle it, or she, she wore a fur coat to a show at Greenwich Village Comedy Club one time. At Greenwich <laughs> Village Comedy that? Club. She just, well, she stood, she stood out. And, it, what and is it's, wrong with that? Well, it's funny, you, you were saying about, like, someone, like, trying to dull the other person. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I've done right. that. What is right. wrong with that? Right. Like, I <laughs> smell blue. Yeah. 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 I smell blue. <laughs> I smell like yellow. 
there was, was a very kind of glamorous person. And me, like, it, it is, one of the things that was great about us is that we literally, we lived for a while in the Upper East Side, and then we lived in Spanish Harlem, where I still live now. And, and one of the things I loved about her and what was great about her is we would go to this hotel on Madison Avenue, like super posh, and have like a $20 cocktail, and then take a cab to Wendy's on 117th Street. And Third Avenue, and have like a number one value meal That's at two o'clock in the baby. morning. Yeah. No, I, was, I love that. I love yes, that. I love that back and forth. You know what I mean? Like it's one of the things I love about New York City. Is New York that's is grimy and glamorous. Like that's just New York. In yeah. yeah but so yeah, her wearing a fur coat in Greenwich Village Comedy Club of all places, like this, she stood out. This is why I'm confused because you are describing my life. Okay. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a date, Peter. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I'm emotionally But Peter, don't come for me. They're vintage. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be dead anyway, okay? No, but it's funny because we, like, I was trying to bounce because I was working and, and doing shows and we started fighting and then we broke up. And one of the things she said is that, you know, when you're not working, you're at comedy clubs and either way, either way you don't have enough time for me. Right. And I felt this, like, stress because I was like, I love her. I, I love the idea of being in a relationship with her. But she's kind of right. Like, right now, like, one of my regrets is that, you know, I'm not 10 years further along in my comedy career. Like, mm -hmm. if I had started at 21 or 20, I feel like I'd be, you know, at a place where I wouldn't have to work 50 hours a week and then do stand-up for every other waking hour that I have. And I would maybe have more time to, like, really be serious in a relationship. I don't you know, I mean? know if that's um, if that's logical, though, because yeah. there's, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like, there's a lot of comics that I know that have been doing stand-up for 20, 25 years that still are not making their living doing stand-up. Yeah, no, I know that. I'm, I, it's... it's um, but, like, do you feel like uh, your stand-up career has benefited from you being single? Oh, I got new material right away. I mean, I used to talk about uh, the relationship, and now I talk about the breakup. Uh, oh. And it's funny. That's another thing. She, like, one time she's like, I don't like that you talk about me on stage. Like, this is uh, this. my life is not for public consumption. And I was like, okay. So then she invited her sister and her sister's boyfriend to a show that I did. Oh. And afterwards, I got off stage, and she goes, you didn't talk about me one time. And I was like, yeah, you, you told just me. Just tell me not <laughs> she goes, to. But I, she goes, but I had company. Like, of course they're going to want to see you making fun of me. Like, they came to the show because they're my, my family. I'm like, I can't win. <laughs> well, like, I know that for, like, um, comics that I've dated, like, we've definitely either agreed to do – that we would do material about each other as long as it was funny and not mean – or we've agreed that we wouldn't do material about each other. Like, mm. you know, it's always been, like, one or the other. But, like, um, I used to have, like, one comic that I dated. And we'd be booked on a lot of the same shows. And we would kind of, like, our fights would continue on stage. And we'd be, like, joke fighting at each other. And, like, Ooh. I think the two of us were, like, the only ones that n knew, like, 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 you know right? what I mean? It's, like, and, and so, like, you know, he, like... He would go up and, like, he'd be, like, you know, talking, like, oh, like, my girlfriend's such a bitch, blah, 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 blah. I'm, like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend, he's just, like, pissed off because he can't see his feet. Like, you know, and so it would be just, like, fight through our jokes. And it was, Did like, you go home and have sex afterwards then? I hope you had angry sex. Yeah, that, like, yeah. angry sex. Like, I just got off the stage. Uh, mm, or no, because you couldn't see his feet. Well, he usually thought he was having a heart attack. Oh, oh no. that one. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my ex, like I I did a sh- I did two shows with like two hours in between or something, and uh, again, mind you, she didn't know anything about comedy. Like the whole thing, her whole experience in the comedy world was me bringing her to shows. She had no background in it at all. And we're walking from one club to the other, and she's like, "You keep doing that joke. I told you not to do that joke. You actually need to work on new stuff because you don't fall into the same." I'm like. Are you? When did you become the comedy expert? Right. But like she got me like riled up. I felt like in like in like Rocky Three when like Apollo Creed's like, "What's the matter with you, Rock? There is no tomorrow." Like she was giving me this like pep talk. And the next show, like I killed it because I was like so angry at her that I used the anger <laughs> to fuel my comedy. So if anything, like I I kind of miss that. Like I like right now I live alone. I don't have any drama in my life. I don't have another person to play off of in my private life. So I like it actually deprives me. Of material in that way, I think. Really, huh. that's funny because none of the guys that I've dated have actually made it like in a set. The yeah, the Israeli and the Palestinian they made it in because that's that's a, that's based on real life. But they weren't. I wasn't dating them, you know. Yeah. Um, and someone actually said to me, they're like, I think you'll be a better comic when you have a like a boyfriend and a family. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? what does that even mean? I, but I don't. And and at the same time, I don't know because they could be right because I right now it's just like my comedy is based on me walking through life. Yeah. But I think when I have right. other like you changing diapers and shit. Th- yeah, that's a, a whole nother. Yeah, I got shit on my hand and a wipe my face. Like I, you know. Right. I, <laughs> that I just oh, no. think is like being sexist. But I just kind of I feel agree. Like, Thank yeah. you. But like I feel like when you're having um when you uh, I feel like when I'm just finished a breakup or just getting over a breakup that's when I have my best material because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like emotionally I need to be in an unsettled place to like perform well because yeah. like when I'm happy like I'm just like like when I'm in a in the beginning of a relationship and everything is good like I I'm like a shit comic because it's like I'm happy I don't have anything to complain about hey guys it's yeah. great I just got it's, a new it's, relationship it's like, 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 oh, <laughs> I love everything but like <laughs> you know but like when I'm just like Oh fuck this motherfucker! Then that, that's when I'm like in my my like my corner pocket of like my comedy. It's just like oh yeah 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 like, <laughs> like, like, like I'm, I'm feisty. Is that why tragedy makes the best comedy? Yeah, I, mean, like, I think so. I think that, honestly, I think that's it, and that might be it because well, I do I I agree with that. It's like you need that that part of your your soul where like y- you're injured but you're on the mend it's like that soft scab that you know it's like Ooh. gonna heal and see, that's why i didn't know if that it. man was wrong or not when he was like when you're married and have children because <laughs> that just means that that's good right there. that's not a soft scab that is it's just, a hard scab that's permanent that's there forever. For 18 years. Right. I'm, just saying, <laughs> One of the th- I'm just saying it could be mostly <laughs> tragedy okay <laughs> <laughs> well, I I hate the truism that comedians are depressed and the comedy comes from depression. I don't think it's depression. I think it comes from a skewed perspective. And I used to have this like I used to talk to my my friend that I used to work with, and she's like, "You your your stories are always like about something bad happening to you. Like it's always self-deprecating. Why are you always being so?" I'm like. Like, cause it's funny. Like, right. there's nothing funny about like, hey, I met this this random girl. We hooked up. It was great. And then I went home. Like, there's nothing funny. But if I go on a blind date and and she screws me over and then I get water all over myself and then she tells me she's leaving and then I see her back in the bar like after she thought I left. Like, that's there's funny to that story. <laughs> and it, it's um. I mean, it's it's weird because I think yeah, I think oh, that's, that you're that girl, huh? All creativity yeah. comes. It's not it's not depression. I it's smell just, blue. It's it's <laughs> life going crazy and things be, and being able to stand outside of stuff 
and and laughing at it because the alternative is to cry about it. Yeah. Did you at least approach her like, oh, okay, I see you. Back oh yeah, yeah. So I'm I um <laughs> it, she I was we were, we were set up on a on a date. She was like super like into it too, and then she's like, oh, so you thought? Well, no, we talked on the phone. <laughs> she was like really enthusiastic. This was years ago, and um my friend was trying to put us together and she's like oh i work in soho why don't you meet me at this bar in soho and i was like okay and then she, last minute she's like oh actually i had to work late so i'm on at this bar on the upper east side and i was like well that's weird why, why does working late have anything to do with you being in a completely different neighborhood and it was one of those like irish pubs where they have you guys look like the table tap on the table do you know what i'm talking about where yeah. it's like five pitchers of beer in a tube yeah. mm-hmm. so that you don't have to call the, the waitress over and I see this table with this table tapper. I was like, don't be her. Don't be her. Don't be her. Way from that table. She's sitting at a four-person table with three other people. So I'm literally sliding up a chair. I'm a fifth wheel at my date. She asked oh. me out on a date. And I sat down, and they had ordered food, and the food arrived when I got there. Oh. And we're literally in a bar where you can't hear anybody speak. We talked for like 15 minutes, and she's like, uh, yeah, I think you know, I'm going to go home. I was like, Okay, I was like, well, can I at least walk you home? She goes, nah, that's fine. I'm going to, like, so she goes, she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'm going to go home. And so she leaves me at the table with these strangers. So now I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I, my, my grand idea is I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the bathroom because I want to hide until she leaves because I don't want to be, I literally don't know what to do. And in this, like, little tiny New York bar bathroom, the hand dryer was right above the sink. So as I'm washing my hands, it activates the hand dryer, which then blows all the water all over me. So now I'm soaking wet, hiding in a bathroom in a bar at the end of a terrible date. And I come out of the bathroom, and she's sitting at the table again because she thought that I left. Oh. Yeah. And then I, I... like a week later, I ran into her on the street, and she's ah. like, "Oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, we should see each other. We should get together again, and all this stuff." And I'm like, "No, we no, shouldn't, bitch." No. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was one of my early New York dating experiences. But again, mo- that like, had where are it, you from, Peter? Uh, New Jersey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, <laughs> but, so yeah, New York City is. It was always my dream to to live in New York, and here I've been I am playing this city like like tramp since i was 14 years old yeah up in and out this bitch i was like uh <laughs> ever since saturday night fever where he's like sitting on the bench dreaming about being in new york like that was me like my really? dream was to be in new york city i used to take me the too. dollar vans when i was 14 yeah uh i took dance state of harlem i did a summer intensive and that started this love affair the funny thing is, is in that movie he's in in brooklyn dreaming about coming to manhattan and now people dream about moving to brooklyn like he needed to escape Brooklyn. He needed to escape Brooklyn. You bring sex in a city for oh, people. People wanted to white go people to being interested in Brooklyn. But they oh yeah, <laughs> no, because <laughs> yeah, no, it's real. It's Miranda yeah. ends up okay. with Steve, okay. and they end up moving to Brooklyn. Oh, oh, exactly. And you remember yep. the reaction? It was like Brooklyn. Yeah, like, Brooklyn is not that bad. It's affordable. It's like it was like the last episode of the of the, of the series, but and they're just like, yeah. she's a lawyer, yeah. like. Of course. Hello. You have to be lawyer. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's just move to Brooklyn. No, you can I get a house like, out oh, there. No. Started the flow. Bro. No, I'm hey, saying like she's a lawyer that was are married to. Yeah. So, you know. I have a theory that like oh, yeah. New York City has been cool for too long. Like, like three or four million people got to go. Like I love, like <laughs> oh, I'm staying. <laughs> but like I want any, and whenever they're like, oh, this is terrible. The garbage. I'm like, good. Just go. keep. Bye. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> like somebody like on Facebook was like, 
some comedian who like lives somewhere else was like, can you tell me one good thing about New York City? I'm like, no, I don't want anybody else coming here. Like, go to Austin, go to right, Charlotte. Yeah. I don't care. Go wherever else people are moving, but we don't need any of you. When people are lining up to like rent apartments in Bedsty to pay like two grand a month for a oh studio in Bedsty, okay. you know there's too many damn people in New York City. Everybody go. It was Bedsty. Everybody get out. Twenty years ago, Bedsty people were not lining I up. I paid seventeen hundred for a garden apartment with a backyard in Bedsty in like two thousand and four. Wow, I rem- I remember the like, first time I went on the Bowery. And two thousand dollars for a studio. <laughs> yeah. I had a crazy ass landlord. That's the only reason I couldn't stay there, Mister Burn. Don't say his mm. name. Uh-uh. Lawsuit. <laughs> public storage. Fuck you. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kingston and St. John. Fuck yeah. y'all. How about that? Where is Kingston, St. John, Brooklyn? Okay. Sex in the City, Brooklyn. No. Not, <laughs> no, 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 that's, no, baby. That's Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I'm still Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> well, even like, because my family is from Sicily, and I've actually spent a lot of time in Europe, and so I talked to a lot of people, and it's like Sex in the City is still huge over there. And it, to me, like, the, the humor is so New York-centric. It's like, don't you guys don't even get the jokes, but they don't care. Like, they love right. it because it's New York, because it's glamorous. They saw the brunches and the yoga mats, and they were like, we're going. People, I worked are, at, still, you, people are still taking pictures outside of Carrie's house. Like, yeah, I had. I had a two forty five Perry 73rd Street. Seventy third no, Street. No, that's the no, that's the no, yes, no, right. the real, the real right. house right. is on right. Perry Street. In the show, it was like on seventy third. It was on seventy third. Yeah, seventy third. You are right. Yes, you are absolutely right. It's crazy, but yeah, that stuff like it brings all these people to New York, and then you can't. You know, and then the rent's too damn high. Right, can't get a decent. Sorry, bagel that's me. I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Are you real? <laughs> Yes. Where in Wisconsin? Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. Yes, exactly. My dream was exactly. always to, I want to move to New York and be an actor. <laughs> yeah. And I became a comedian. Well, I love it. Yes. It's, and it's, you're a Sex and the City fan. Clearly. Uh, yes, I, absolutely. Clearly. You see, well, that's, you my that's, point. I actually decided to move to L.A. I moved to L.A. and then I was like watching Sex and the City with my roommate. And I was like, you know what? Fuck L.A. Let's go to New York. You want to go to New York? She's like, fuck yeah, let's go. Here I am. See, like, see? Like, Dara, I've been rolling in the city since I was a teenager because, like, I'm from Westchester. So, like, I had come down here clubbing when I was, like, 15, 16. Like, my junior prom, uh, we went to the limelight and it was RuPaul's um, birthday. (gasps) And so just, uh, like, three blocks of, like, drag queens just wrapping around the block and, like, I just remember, like, you know, because we, we were in a limo, and so we all paid the limo driver to, like, get us into the club. Because we were, like, the youngest one with us was 14, and the oldest one with us was 17. Yes. And so, like, we, we paid off the driver, and, like, he gets us in the club, and then the boys are just, like, lined up on this balcony. And, like, we're just like, what are you guys looking at? They're like, no, you, it's okay. Don't look. Don't. And we're like, what? So, like, we squeeze in, and there's, like, a girl, like, like naked dancing in a cage. Yes! And, like, yeah. And so then we're just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> she's naked. And, like, we go to the bathroom, and the bathrooms are co-ed. Somebody's yes! doing a line on the sink, and I'm just like... Where are we? <laughs> like, oh my God. That is like exactly my experience when I walked into yeah. the tunnel when I was fourteen. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly yeah. the experience. Well, the tunnel lane, you had to go to the bathroom upstairs, upstairs and then and had the, the white tile. Doors. Yeah, yes, and yeah. Yes. That's the the scene from Kids is in yes. the bathroom. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what yeah. made me scared of all moving to New York was the movie Kids. Oh, I was like, oh, I remember. oh wait, no, I'm thinking oh. Belly. Sorry, Kids, you're right. But Belly, because the, the, the white tile bathroom is the one in Kids. 
Okay. The one, I just remember the one upstairs that had the fizzle doors. Okay. And I saw two feet under there. And, you know, then I didn't know what was going on. And now I understand they were making a baby. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Or doing coke. I don't know. Right. It was one of the or two. Or both. Or both. You know. Which, hey. Or they could have been having sex but unable to make a baby. Exactly. It's- which is okay, too. Because Ooh. that's how I prefer my sex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I, <laughs> there were drag queens and there was an old Chinese man with a strapless uh, sequin dress dancing on the bar. I mean, I learned so much about life yeah. that night. Did you go to the um, the curfew parties downstairs? Like, down, like, yeah, the side door and you had to go through the jungle room. But I just remember there was like a tarot card reader and a table. And then I went downstairs and there was like this this like. The, uh, there were murals on the wall. And yeah, like a hip hop room downstairs. I think there that might was have been like all way the way downstairs. Because I went on the wrong night. I went on okay. Saturday. I didn't go on the flex day. That was Sunday. Well, that was Sunday. But like, like I went through like the curfew side. So like the curfew, they had their own side door, and that was like the gay side of the club. Mm-hmm. And when you got in through that way, it was like a lot cheaper. I think it was like five dollars to get in. But if you went through the main door, it was like twenty bucks. And then if you got in through curfew, you could go through the gay side of the club and the street side of the club but if you went through the straight side you weren't allowed into the gay side oh. so like that was like our own and like so me and my my friends like I, we would just like go on like the curfew side and like we just basically like hold hands on the line like oh we're lesbians like you know <laughs> <laughs> like, you know just like get in it's like five bucks or whatever oh, that's and they awesome. had like the jungle room and 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 then you could like go to the other side and then the hip-hop room you had to go through the main floor yes. downstairs yes. And there was that long ass tunnel, and they had little weird sidebars yes, and bathrooms. Yes. They had actual pay phones. Yes. And like, yeah, I was there. Taking me back. Wow. I was there. Yes, my friend's mom. Uh, it was her sweet sixteen, and she paid for us to all get into the tunnel that night after yeah. dinner at Justin's. Um, the now I think defunct uh, puffy restaurant. So yeah, yes. oh. yeah, she so. paid. Money for us all to get in there. The 20 bucks, and we all were just underage and having a good time in the tunnel. It's shut down now. You can't take any uh, action you said against puffy. the club. Yeah. Oh, Diddy. Diddy. Whatever. Diddy. That's back, how all that. he was puffy. When he was puffy. Right? <laughs> um, but we're going to have to take a quick break, you guys. But before we go, I want to give everyone time to plug their upcoming shows. Like, what do you have going on? Uh, Dara, when's your next gig? Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, people can follow me on social media at uh, Chocolate Gem, Gem with a J, <laughs> on Instagram. Gem, truly outrageous. Exactly! Truly, truly outrageous. And also my last name, uh, Dara <laughs> Jamat uh, on Facebook. And my next show is going to be Monday uh, at Moe's in Fort Greene, 80 Lafayette. And I'll be volunteering with the Cinderblock Festival this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. Cool. And, and also Wednesday, uh, Wednesday Comedy Workout. Please come uh, come to the open mic. Any Where is there? it? That is uh, 1165 Bedford, 211 Putnam. It's on the corner of Bedford and Putnam at Brooklyn House of Comedy, uh, Inkwell Jazz and Comedy Club. And Peter, where can everyone find you on social media? What's your next gig? Uh, I don't know what my next gig is just yet, but if you follow me at fa- on Facebook at Peter Garachi, it's G-U-A-R-R-A-C-I, or on Instagram at Garachi. That's where I post all my information. Cool. And we're going to take a quick break, you guys. We will be right back. This is Big Talking Brewskies. I'm Marissa Smith. See you in a few. Oh, boy. 
Badness can't park. Badness can't park. Was a great black shark. Mama was a rolling stone. She had to find her own. Things are going on the corner. She had carried things across the border. Where I left off the slaughter. Six pitney for feed your honor. And everyone in this life has made mistakes. Temptations pushed up in my face. Find it hard not to take a taste. Everyone in this life has made mistakes, temptations pushed up in my face. Find it hard to take a test. Smith. Yeah. 
Hey guys, happy Friday. This is Big Talking Brewskies. I'm still Marissa Smith and we are back. We've got Rodney Daniels with us. What's up guys? Happy Friday. We've got new to the table, Paul Bennett. Hey everybody, hi. And Peter Garachi. How you doing? All right. Uh, so, uh, Paul, how was your week? It's good, good. Uh, good week. What did I do? I don't know. I got... I'd, uh I'm not in a hurricane. That's always a, that's always this a is, good thing. Yeah, yeah. That that's is, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm always I'm thinking positive. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know what I, I went to an open mic today. That oh, cool. was not terrible. Uh, I, how is it not terrible? I know. You know, you, know what the, you know what the cure for open mics is? Is uh, fidget spinner. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I'm 43 years old and I love fidget spinners. Only for open mics, though. I haven't tried them because I feel like it's just like a trend thing and everybody's like just doing it. I just bought it a few weeks ago. They're great. Really? They're great. You can you can survive any situation with one of those things. You just start, you just do it and you're just you're good for a long time. I feel ah, like that's yeah. why I have Candy Crush though. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to pay attention as much. Oh, with the fidget spinner? Yeah. I don't know. I I'm I'm definitely more of like a Candy Crush in those situations. I'm just like crushing it. Uh, the fidget spinner, I just kind of feel like, I don't know, I, like, I gotta look at something. I mean, but you can do it without, like, looking at it, right? Yeah. I yeah, can't. That's, like, the whole... No, but, like, that's what I'm saying, is that the fidget spinner, like, I'm not gonna look at my hand. Like, I like to look at something while I'm doing something. Right. Because, like, I'm just gonna fidget spin and watch the mic. It's like, well, I could just be playing my my candy crush and not looking at the mic and be occupied but you can you can look at it or you cannot you can do tricks what you kind can, of trick do you do with you the like, fidget you, well, you try to get on different fingers that that's a cool thing oh really oh. yeah you can, i didn't know that there was tricks involved yeah and you can move it if you if you're trying there's always tricks involved no well tricks are for kids right <laughs> it's the hacky sack of our generation i have no idea why schools ban i mean i've never i don't i've never been in, but if i was a teacher and i had a bunch of like add boys like i'd i'd be like here's a fidget spinner for all of you guys you know? <laughs> and they would just be quiet and they'd just be fidget spinning and like life would be good i don't know why they don't want him not to fidget spin. i don't know uh, i don't know that does make a lot of sense yeah. would they be fighting over who has the like coolest fidget spinner see Maybe that's, that's why that's why Sad. somebody would get beat up because they have the gold one yeah well they could they have like uniform they have school fidget spinners oh yeah like oh. everyone has to Everybody have like, has a boring exact ass same. Yeah, because yeah, that's then they what school does. Spinner. Yeah. Gluten free fidget spinner. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. It's, it, it makes your uh, fidgeting much drier. Um, so uh, now, have you ever been divorced? I've, I've, yeah, if I've ever been divorced, is a great way to say, yes, I'm divorced. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun thing. It's like saying, have you ever been, like, at, at the, like Have you like, ever been pregnant? World. <laughs> 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 ever been to Paris? Yeah. Uh, so now, how, how long have you been divorced? Uh, five years. Five, okay. Which is, like... The, the biggest thing I learned is like is like the first two years is you're just you're you're it's rough. Well, how long were you married? I was married ten years. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. The best thing, like the best question women would ask, would be like, "How long are you divorced for?" And if it was like under two years, you could tell her like, "Oh, I'll see you in a few." You know, I'll see, goodbye. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which was smart because you're just like a wreck. But like, at, but then some some women don't ask, and you're like, uh, "I don't know if I should tell you," but you know. 
like I'm still, but you know, but after two years, it's like it's magic. Someone's like, it's gonna take two years, and it literally does. So, you know, after that, you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good, you know. Okay. Yeah. But I'm in a relationship now. It's going well. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, congratulations. How how long has your this uh, relationship that you're in been? About three years. Okay. So I did my two years, and I got oh, and, and right like, at the two year mark. Yeah. Like, yeah, we met, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can I say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone just told me that it's time and a half. Like after you get out of a relationship, it's time and a half that it takes for you to get over that relationship. Whoa. That so would be like seven years. I like guess so. But so no, it would be 15. 15 so you're, you're quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard yeah. it was half time. I thought it was half. Yeah, I thought half it was half time. time. Yeah. Yeah, like. So, well, like, maybe if he I was. I just patted if, that for my own insecurities. Time and a half. Yeah. No one's getting over time in this bitch. No relationships are like six months or less. Yeah, no. I thought it was. Commitment issues. Never mind. But congratulations. Like yeah. getting divorced and having a new chapter of your life. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it was uh, my my ex, my wife initiated. It wasn't what I wanted, but you know, I think in you know, it turned out better. We both have someone who's who's very much like us, but better. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay, that would she crush me. Like a better version of me. <laughs> oh I'm man. Also with a better version of her. Oh, okay. That's a win-win. Yeah, yeah like right. in ways that we. My my daughter. I went to my daughter's school like this, and they were like, "Oh, we met your brother. He's he's really nice." And I was like, Ooh. oh, that's not my brother. <laughs> and they were like, they were like Boy, I went up to him. He's not your brother because I went up to him and I was like, hi, Paul. And he was like, I'm not Paul. <laughs> so I just assumed he was your brother because he looks exactly like you. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, I always wanted to get somebody that looks completely different from me. Like, get somebody else, like... Yeah, completely I had a, I had a girlfriend in college who I, we're still friends. She's great. So I think she's a wonderful person. But she married a guy, and I have a funny feeling that he's a better version of me. <laughs> and this is from years ago, and it still kind of bums me out a little bit. You know, I, my my best friend got divorced, and he's an accountant, and he's like in, he's in good shape. He does like MMA, and she left him, and then ended up with some like fifty year old. Um, uh, like doctor who bought her a house in a cul-de-sac when they were like in their twenties, right? And I was like, listen, man, if he if she had found a guy who was like a more successful accountant who was a little bit better shape, then yeah, you you, you came up short. But obviously, you're not what she's looking for, right? So you know, move on to the next thing. I don't feel like um, anybody that I've dated has like dated somebody that's like me because I'm like the wind, bitches. Um, <laughs> right. But, right. Uh, I definitely walks dogs on leashes. Well, he likes guys on leashes. Well, they, they still don't look like me. Right. Um, but I, I've definitely, I've had situations where, like, I, I dated a guy, and then the next girl he dated, like, I'd seen them around, like, um, you know, like, it was, like, a, this neighborhood girl, and, like, his, like uh, Paul is also from Yonkers, so, like, one of these, like, McLean chicks or whatever, and, like... Uh, so I saw her around the bars or whatever, and then, like, uh, I think she was... She might have been, like, first-generation Irish-American. My ex was Irish, but, like, I got a haircut after we broke up, and then, like, two weeks later, he's dating her, and then she gets my haircut. And so, like, Irish is like, oh. So it's, like, it, it's just, like, not exactly single-white female, but it's, like, single-white female, but it's, like, a single-black female kind of thing, but she's uh. white. It was very, it was, like, like single, like, half-and-half half cookie. Um... But it was, like, a strange kind of thing, which I, I think that, like, 
maybe he was like, oh, she's got a new haircut. It looks cool. And she's like, I can get that haircut. And I was like, mm, this is strange. Uh. But I've never really had like anybody. But then again, I don't really talk to my exes. So I don't really know. Like, I just see people in passing. The great thing about getting divorced is, like, after that, you're like, you could break up really easy. (laughs) 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 I'm like Facebook friends with women I dated. I'm liking their statuses. It's all all great, you know. I'm like, just don't. Like, one one woman broke up with me. She wanted to have dinner. She, like, took me out because she wanted to, like, break it to me in person. I was like, you didn't have to do this. (laughs) I'm not taking my apartment. I'm fine. (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) 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 Right. Well, that yeah. was great. Yeah. <laughs> She's dying. I mean, you know, because that was, that was, that was great. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah, because I'd much rather just have you call me, text me. Text me you don't yeah. got to, like, yeah. do it face to face. Yeah, I've been through this. It's much, yeah. Yeah. That's like when they, they fire you at work. It's like, you could have just called Ooh. me. Oh. <laughs> I got fired on my day off one time. Like, Ryan, can what? you come in? Oh, man. Yeah. Wait, they had you come in to fire you? Yeah. Great. Well, I was like, I thought it was like a Wednesday or something random. Like, she's like, oh yeah, I gotta talk to you. Can you come oh, in and meet me real quick? Great. Uh, okay, I got guys. fired on uh, vacation in Greece. Like while you were on vacation. Yeah. Like, like, you, like you should call us before you come back to the office. Wow. I, got that, I got that text. Oh. And I was like, uh-huh. I was like, well, we should have this before 6.30 because I have dinner and won't care after that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, they were like, you don't have to come back. And I was like, okay, well, cool. How much are you paying me? And when can I pick my stuff up? Yeah. And then I ran to a comedy class right after that. That was great. Oh. Look at life. Yeah. Hello. So I'm now, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. does your current girlfriend and your ex-wife get along? Like, do you? Yeah, they get along well. Yeah, yeah. My my girlfriend now is she's she's a much she's a very good human being. Like, <laughs> she wants oh. everything to work, and she's making everything work with everybody. And uh, I, you know, yeah, they get all they get along well, and that's I'm happy because they talk. They okay. Oh wow. And stuff and Ooh. my daughter and their range of schedules and like. It's better I'm not involved. That's a very yeah, new that's thing. That's really cool. My, uh, my, like, I come from a really old school Italian family, and my uncle is the only person in my family that's ever gotten divorced, ever. And it was such a huge deal when this happened, like, 25, 30 years ago. That, and he never, like, was in the same room as his ex-wife again. <laughs> like, they would have to, like, have a third party would have to drop the kids off. Like they they were because that's like a like old school like Italian divorce. It's like oh you're you're dead to me. Like we're done. We're not gonna be friends. We're not gonna hang out. And it's it sucks. Like it's because it, like the whole family then is like complicit in your bullshit. You know what I mean? As so, opposed to everybody getting together and actually like doing right by the kids. So how do how's your daughter like your uh, your oh, new girlfriend? Yeah, she loves her. She's like does you know. My, so basically, the way it works is uh, my girlfriend is the disciplinarian, and like she's my daughter doesn't really have like parents. She's got like a committee, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, she's got like a couple, you know, her friends, and so it's like. But uh, of all those people, my girlfriend is like the disciplinarian. But also you gotta t- talk into the mic oh, more. She's also the cool one. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, the sweet spot. There, there you go. go. <laughs> but it's funny because like so she's black, so that's one thing. My girlfriend now, and they're like, yeah, boy. One thing it does is, is it makes it like I don't know. There's certain I don't know if it's that, but like she doesn't talk back as much, you know. She don't heard about some black mamas. She knows better. My my ex girlfriend's black. I think we got a theme here going. Yes. Um. 
so now, uh, are, are you thinking about having children with your your current girlfriend? Yep, current girlfriend is pregnant now. Congratulations! <gasps> Congratulations! Or, I like to say, you're what? Way to bury the lead, Paul. <laughs> hey, Paul, have you ever had a baby with your girlfriend? <laughs> Congratulations, yeah, that's so cool. You. When did she do? Uh, November. November. Oh, see, I worked yeah. that trip. November when? November when? November Like 15th or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. So Scorpio. Yeah, Scorpio. We're the best right here. What does that mean, Scorpio? Uh, you gotta, you're going to have a little firecracker on your head. Yeah, you are. Then you know right now. Yeah. My daughter right now, she's too nice. She like she she's terrible at Simon Says. So she does like she always loses that very quickly. Oh. She, like she's very agreeable. Scorpio, <laughs> Scorpio is like to win. We're winners. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Are you a Scorpio also? No, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm right after. I'm, oh, okay. I'm after they diluted the crazy. Yeah. We're insane. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. Do you guys believe in in uh, astrology? So? Uh, I'm totally into the zodiac. Totally. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Only because every time I read it, it's so spot it's, on. It's like spot on for me too. Yeah. At least the descriptions. Like maybe not the day to day horoscopes. Fine. That's a crapshoot. But when I read. Like, like the how, core like, personality. Like the core personality. Yeah, like that's of, me. Yeah. I can't yeah. deny it. You don't think it's just like a general thing? Like sometimes you get sad and you're like, that's me. Uh, no. Well, not, not if you. Because, like, I kind of studied it in high school. If you read, like, the other ones, like, every like every other sign, they're all a little different, depending on, like... So, like, I'll sign. give an example. Like, I'm a Taurus, and, like, like for a Taurus, like, one of our, our um, Achilles heels is that we're supposed to have, like, problems with our throat. And so, like, I have actually had my tonsils taken out, like, five times, because I keep growing them back. And so, like, that's, like... So I would say normally, like, I would be like, oh, this is a bullshit thing. But, like, I get laryngitis. Like, I have had throat surgeries. Like, I get a lot of, like, um, like throat infections or whatever. And I, so I didn't know, like, throat was on the menu of things that could... Oh, yeah. yeah. It goes... Yeah. It goes like, it'll everything. go... It'll it tell you, like, love, yeah. everything. And, like, Scorpio and Taurus are opposite attractors. We're, like, exactly six months apart, like, on the Zodiac. And so, like, we get along instantly. Like, that's, yeah. like, we're, like, Scorpio so, so and Taurus. So, I'm April, and my ex-wife is September. April what? April 16th. Oh, so okay. you're in Aries. Yes, and my ex-wife was September, early September. Libra? No, uh, early September, like uh, a couple of days ago, like Virgo. Yeah, Virgo. Virgo. So. Virgo. So what would that is that? What, what is that a bad combination? No one's uh, bad. Yeah. No, that's like that's a good combination. I okay. feel like. I mean, but yeah. uh, you'd have to like. You'd <laughs> have to you go. It's, gotta, it's, it's, you it's, should really it's, be it's, more worried about where your girlfriend is now. Because yeah, it gets like really specifics to like the day that she was born, the day you were born, the year. I have a compatibility book. Yeah. So if you want to give me the dates, I can text you. I don't believe in any of this stuff. And you know what? That's all fine. I don't believe the news that I read half the time, but it's fun to read. Fake news. But funny thing is, you're an Aries. That's kind of like an Aries trait. This is like the Matrix. <laughs> Everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> in, in high school, so I, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. So one thing I tried to do to meet people was I tried to learn palmistry. 
Oh, I yeah, yeah, the lines. I could, like, talk to them, and I'd, like, be touching their hand, and, like, we could, you know, have something to say, but I I, it, I only read some books. That's all. I don't <laughs> know anything about it, but, yeah. I that's should have made cool. stuff up. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, it was, for a nerd, it was a good, like... No, that's like really a, smart. Okay. Like, how yeah. can I talk to people? How can I engage? Like, you see, this is what I was talking about before, about creation. You created yeah. a life of being able to talk to people. You took something on in order to talk to people because you said, I don't have any friends. How can I get friends? I need to talk to people. How can I talk to people? Learn how to read their palm. Be, everyone has a palm. I can talk to anyone. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's the secret. Well, when I was doing... You know, it's uh, the palm. When I, was, <laughs> I used to bark for sh- shows in, in Times Square. And what I learned is, like, the best thing to do to get people to talk to you is you guess where they're from. You can just... Oh. Like, you just walking down... You know, people are just walking down the street. You don't have to be like... You know, get, hey, you want to see comedy? So you could do that. But you could also be like, you're from Phoenix. And huh. people were like... Or can I, can I guess where you're from? And people will stop. People just want... To get that attention, especially mm-hmm. in like, Times Square, and especially Times Square, and it's fun because they're not from it, here, right? Because yeah. if they were from here, oh, go fuck yourself. Right? <laughs> You're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> I got one lady. I, I was really proud. She, I, she, I was guessing where she was from. I was like, "You're from Queens, right?" And she was like, "No, I, I'm from Rochester." And I was like, "Are you sure?" She's like, "Well, I grew up in Queens." I was like, "There you go." I yeah. it. I felt very proud of myself. <laughs> Um, so now, uh, where did you go to high school? I went to Roosevelt uh, High School. Uh, in, in Yonkers? In Yonkers, yeah. Okay. To, yeah. Where did you go? I went to Ursuline. Oh, I, I was okay. there from 6th yeah, yeah. grade to 12th grade. Yeah, that's that was the Catholic school. That was like... It's you went the, to 6th to 12th. That was the fancy yeah. one. It was a... Uh, yes, I went to an all-girls yeah. college prep. Thank you. Yeah. Um, My dad was too cheap for like all that. We were like, we were like, I'm going to send you to the terrible public schools. Well, like my my parents, because now I uh, just kind of give a little insight, like what was going on in the public schools in Yonkers at that time. Yeah, well, that was uh, when I it was in like late 80s, and they desegregated the schools and the housing then, and so like I was like in the suburban, like the white side, and like they sent everybody to like they were like, hey, let's mix this all up. And uh, I always thought it was like a crazy thing, a crazy time, and I can never like explain how crazy it was. And then three years ago, it was great because HBO made a miniseries about it, yeah, yeah. which is like a great thing that like that nothing signifies your childhood was crazy as like HBO. I got to be like, okay, it is crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was, I just thought that it was crazy at the time, but yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, because, like, that's basically, like, I never went to public schools because, uh, you know, at that time, like, Yonkers Public Schools and uh, was still segregated. And so my parents didn't trust that I would get a good education if I went to a public school, so they sent me to private school the whole time. So, like, they didn't want to try to put me in a, a public school because they didn't feel like... Because at that time, like, the feds had just taken over the school system and, like... They still kind of didn't trust the whole idea that, like, oh, that you'd be able to graduate and be able to read. Because, like, at that time, like, if you were black and you went to, like, a black school in Yonkers, like, you very well could graduate high school, like, not being able to read. Yeah, yeah. And that was, like, uh, part of the reason why they, uh, the federal government had to come in and uh, step in and desegregate the schools. And so uh, that's kind of why, like, that whole time, like, I, I went to private schools because, like, my parents didn't trust the system. 
Uh, can, I tell you, can I tell you how I got into the Gifted and Talented program? How did you get into oh, the Gifted okay. and Talented program? I, uh, in sixth grade, that's when they desegregated. And so seventh grade, I went to... That's where they went to the new schools. And so I tried to get into the Gifted and Talented program. I did not get in. So I went to Emerson Junior High School, uh, which is a terrible school. Uh, and uh, partly because I, I once saw a, a documentary, Jadakiss, mm. and he went there. And he was like, oh, it was like a terrible school. I'm like, that's right. And I showed up there and like, it was, it was really like, it was amazing. Like how I realized it wasn't like about race necessarily. Like, like there, I guess there's like institutionalized racism and Emerson was like the institution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got there and like, it wasn't like a math class in like sixth grade. They're like, you know, here's, you know. Trigger not or whatever, whatever we were doing. They like, you know, like, you can do it. You're really smart. When Emerson, like, they're like, this is how you write a check. <laughs> like, literally, we were trying to learn how to write. And I remember thinking, like, I have to get out of here. I want to go to college. Like, I can't. My confidence can't take this. Yeah. And I was just like, I was two weeks in, and I, I escaped by. Um, this is what, one thing I learned is the thing not to say on the bus ride home. Is uh, the N word. You kind of can say that if you're in a fight with somebody, like that's allowed for whatever reason. If you're mm. in like a physical fight, uh, I didn't get beat up. You live to tell the day. I live to tell you the day. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned you don't whatever mess with Albanians. Works. That's that's what I learned. Yeah, oh, there's oh, a lot of Albanians yeah. in yeah. the yeah. Passes, passes. But I got, I got, I told these girls on the bus. I said, "Hey, move it," which is not a thing to say. And so they beat me up right on the bus, uh, all three of them. And I think they just got bored because they just like no one broke it up, like they just stopped. And, <laughs> uh, and then like then like I, I learned. Well, the other thing I learned is when that happens, you just transfer schools. Like nobody had a problem with me transferring schools. And, and like two. It's like two, I got beat up by three girls. Yeah. Okay, yeah. see you next year. Yeah. Damn. I actually, <laughs> I actually went to a gifted and talented school in a bad area too. I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is like right next to Newark. That's and that's true. And it's funny because I was in Catholic school, and my mother was like, you're not learning anything. So there the alternative was either to go to, like, the neighborhood school, which is really bad, or they had gifted and talented schools. Uh, and it was interesting because there they had, like, they had different kinds of gifted and talented. So they had, like, the art students. They had the performing arts students. They had the academic students. But the year that I applied, the only spot was in the, the like, athletes and I am not an athlete. So they had me in a, in a group of kids, and I was like the, the non-athlete with all these athletes. So even in the gifted and talented school, I was still getting beat up by the other athletes. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, we had. But then we moved to uh, to the country after that. But yeah, at, at the time it was like, th- my mom was like, "There's no way my kid's going to Roosevelt Elementary School on the corner." Like I had to go get on a bus and go to another school. Like but, I, I kind of like. Um a quasi similar situation, but I I actually refused the the gifted and talented spot. So like uh, probably got your spot. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, men. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but so what happened was like I, I you know I went to an all girls uh, college prep, and so I had been in regular English the the whole time, and then uh, somewhere around. I'd say the end of junior year, they like tested me to see if I had like learning disabilities or whatever, and it turned it, it turned out that I had uh, a, a few different learning disabilities. But then when they can like convert all of your testing with the the lens of your disability, it was like I was supposed to have been in like honors English the whole time because yeah. like so like I'm 
like here's the funny part like when they did my IQ testing I was like verbally a genius and mathematically an idiot like that's just like how I, I ranked out so throughout the whole time I ranked as being like normal because like when you're really bad at something and really good at something like you just end up being like a normal person but then if they go and they they pull out like oh but you're really good at this so like you should be doing this at the highest level and so they wanted to put me in um high honors english senior year and i was just like no i'm not doing it and they're like well what do you mean you're not doing high honors english and i was just like I've been reading and writing at this level the entire time you guys just figured out that I'm smart and now I'm supposed to work my ass off the last year of school. No. And they're just like, I'm like, I already got accepted in college. Like, I'm not like going to like this. Is, <laughs> this is my coasting year. And they're just like, no, but like you should have been in high honors. And I'm like, yeah, that's your problem. Like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, there's just like, yes, I've always understood Shakespeare. I just can't spell bitches. Like, you know, and it was just kind of like funny because like in math, I had that bad like math. Like I was in consumer math also. So we had to learn how to do like time sheets yeah basically consumer math was that you had to figure out how to like fill out tax forms and like do like like timetables for like people working it was just like you're gonna be a bookkeeper so you need to know how to do excel it was like i never took like algebra or like trigonometry or anything like that because they're just like that's gonna bring down your gpa you're just gonna take consumer math because you're just gonna be a consumer for the rest of your life and so, like, now it's, like, funny because, like, my, my like, real job is very, like, math intensive, mm-hmm. but it's all Excel. So, like, I kind of worked out that they taught me Excel in, like, ninth grade, but at the same time, it's just, like, they would have never thought I'd be able to do math. It's just, like, I can do math if it's just this equals that, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but uh, so... Kind of like understand like I had the opportunity to kind of go into like the gifted, and I was just like, nah, <laughs> 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 not I, I chill. I'm coasting. I was but always it's funny told that you say that because I'm sorry, I love oh, to sorry. cut you off. But, yeah. Um, it's so funny that you say that only because I had a similar experience where it's like I tested for the gifted and talented. I went to public school my entire life, except for uh, like kindergarten <laughs> that was episcopalian school whatever so um so i tested for gifts, gifted and talented in third grade however standardized tests were never my strength that was never right. going to happen for me um and i even remember being in seventh grade and asking my seventh grade math teacher why do i need to know this math and instead of answering the question he called my house and i got in trouble for asking that question and from then it was just like fuck math like you weren't able to answer the question i wanted to be a disc jockey at that point <laughs> life and like obviously still do (laughs) (laughs) one two one two (laughs) help me understand why i need to pay attention in your class and he wasn't able to give me that and instead he called my house so from then and that was seventh grade for then for me it was like fuck math i don't need to know any of this i already know i'm fucking smart because i was in gifted intelligent in the third grade so i'm just gonna coast this shit and do what i need to do i just feel like if there had been any other discussion or any other you know you know what it's good to have options right if that conversation i would 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 have been had with me i would have looked at math differently and i would have taken it on and it's a different challenge but because it was it was he was so flippant about my question and i should be in trouble because i'm questioning why do i like to sit here 
here and this share and and I'm sure there's a lot of math involved. But why do why do I necessarily need to know that? So I think that there are a lot of kids out there who have gifted and talented capabilities and, and we might not be speaking to them in the way that they need to be spoken to. No, and I agree because like, you know, um, I literally like my entire job is math. Like I'm an analyst. And, and, and you it, and I it, did similar things. Yeah. Product yeah, development and it, you're an analyst. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like, like, projecting out like future selling and 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 kind of uh like trying to see trends and 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 i was like wait i'm from the midwest and there was like no like gifted and talented program because you're all gifted and talented nobody told you yeah no i well um where i'm from in milwaukee like all of the high schools have like some sort of like thing that they specialize in. They're all specialty schools. So like say if you wanted to like be an AP student, you would go to King because you like would like like on track to like go to college. I went to an arts high school. I had to like audition to go to the arts high school and like I had like a major. I was a theater major. I had theater. So you went to the to, the fame of Milwaukee. Yeah, 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 yeah. But every high school has like something that they like. You know, majored in. It's what you um made me think of something. I uh I not only did I go to get to the talented school, but when I was in college, I worked at a camp which was called the Summer Institute for the Gifted, which is the worst thing you could call it. Like these is poor that kids. Camp? It was ner- Wait, well, you know what? We went to see the first. I escorted uh, a group of kids to see the first X Men uh, as like our day off trip, I knew it was. and we're sitting there in the theater. And it, you know, it shows Professor Xavier's School for the Gifted, and I turned around, I was like, "You freaks!" Like maybe not the best thing to do when you're actually chaperoning the kids. <laughs> but uh, I wanted. Well, th- these kids. It's funny because they needed. These kids needed to loosen up. Like, yeah. They ne- I felt like my job was to like let. Like I had a nine-year-old who was doing trigonometry in his free time. Like yeah. I, like I, I was a go outside and climb a tree. Like you don't need me to be a disciplinarian. You need me to learn how to like you know be, laugh at yeah, yourself. Yeah. But I worked for them in the East Coast at a camp outside of Philly, and then in a camp outside of uh, in oh, in Ohio at Denison University. And it, I noticed this. This was late nineties, early two thousands, and. I was like the I worked for like the infirmary both times, so it was my job to make sure the kids took their meds. And all the kids in the Northeast were on ADD medication, yeah, and all the kids in the Midwest were on antidepressants. Like huh. I'm talking like ninety percent and ninety percent. They they tried to put me on antidepressants because I was like gay when I was like you know I'm still gay. So but like when I was like sixteen, I was like dealing with it, you know. And they like they tried to put me on antidepressants. My like father refused. He's like no no no, yeah. you're not like gonna do that. But like that's like what they wanted to do it's funny it's and i i think about this now it's like i think it was a terrible thing for them to tell me that i was gifted like they should have like i heard somebody say this it's like you should tell a child what you did was very intelligent or what that the way that you solved that problem was really great or really smart but to tell a kid that they are gifted puts this pressure on the child because i know growing up anytime i mess something up it's like but peter you're smart how come you couldn't figure this out and if anything like those that's why like a lot of these kids end up really screwed up because they've been told that they're special and that they're hyper intelligent so anytime they can't do something well, then it's like, well, we, but you're smart. What's wrong but with I, you? I you're think smart. that it's it's like a double edged sword because yeah. like I kind of went through school feeling like I was like the dumb kid 
like amongst all the smart kids mm-hmm. and uh like you know we had a thing called like um like the the resource department and that was like basically we're like all the kids that weren't like keeping up to the grades like we had like a one-on-one tutor or whatever and so one of the things that and this is kind of where they they kind of figured out like my different like learning differences but like one of the things was is that like they gave us like all these various tests and like so i'm very i'm not uh, I like I can't do math in my head, but I'm very good at seeing patterns. So they were giving me like um, college level work in like seventh and eighth grade, and I didn't understand the work, but like I understood the pattern of the answers of 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 each test. So like I was getting like you know like ninety like. 80 percentiles uh, on these tests although like let's say the test was in biology I might be getting like a C in biology but I'm like doing a hundred on this test and through like them focusing on the fact that like every one of these tests was written by the same author I had cracked the code of the pattern of the answers so like the every third answer is going to be C every fifth answer is going to be D and I didn't I didn't and it wasn't like something that I understood the material i just understood that like that i just kind of in my own head like cracked the code of the answers but like if you asked me the question of the test i wouldn't know it but i would be able to pass the test just because i cracked it have you ever played blackjack no, we could be there. We could be at the casino in ninety minutes. Right? <laughs> 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 I know gamble. It's all a numbers game. Where yeah. they know yeah. the mathematics behind it with poker or with uh, uh, well, like that's I'll stop a lot talking. Of how I do my job. <sighs> well, I, now, mean, I used to be a gam- I don't gamble anymore, you but like gamble? it's a lot of Aspergery no. people you, for sure. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. I mean, and and that's that's why I mean everyone has a hippopotamus club somewhere because you know even the Aspergery people who smell are too smart. Huh? I want to smell blue. I want to smell blue. Going back to the larger point about school, it's like when it's like school makes mediocre kid. When and anything is like an institution, it's that big and it's everybody. That's what you get. You get like a baseline of you have to you know you have to take this test and you have to do show up at this time, and like the special kids kind of get left out. But like I think if anything, you by you being told that you were not smart it probably pushed you to do what you're doing now which i think in a way was it was like the best thing that could have happened to you don't you think N- no. Uh, no 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 um I'm- because like i don't i feel like uh n- not so much that i, I like i f- like I, I i feel like i was treated like i wasn't smart but like now kind of seeing like um a different group of people like i feel like when you're in high school like you're in a very isolated pocket of people and so like if you're told everyone around you is a genius you think that you're the only stupid person around but then when you're kind of like let out into a pool of like the real world and you're just like oh my god everyone's fucking stupid like you know what i mean it's just like i don't even understand how half these people are still alive like uh, but, like, <laughs> but like, and and I kind of feel like, um, if anything, I I feel like had I known that I am like I had capabilities and worth that I probably would have just tried harder or or like even like 
put myself out there because I feel like that was like my problem and in high school is that like I really never put myself out there because I kind of felt like oh I'm already dumb like I'm like why am I going to try to get into like an Ivy League school because I'm dumb and I'm never going to get into it whereas if like someone had said to me like you know something like no, like, you're fucking sick with patterns. You might not be able to, like, multiply in your head, but, like, you can see this, like, weird shit happening that I would have been like, oh, well, maybe this will work for something. Whereas, like, I only applied to safety schools and I got scholarships to all of them, but I just kind of thought, like, oh, well, that's just what happens because, like, no one wants to go there. Not like, oh, no, not everybody gets a scholarship to go to this school, but it's just like, oh, yeah. Like, I I feel like I never got uh, to know my worth. That's why, like, me going to an arts high school, it definitely helped in, like, how I am today just because I went with a bunch of different talented people. Everybody, like, had, like, a talent. Like, you either a singer or you played – or you're a dancer or you played a musician uh, – played an instrument and just like – you, avo- you avoid all the hierarchy stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. And you just – everybody just like, oh, yeah, like, we're all talented. Yeah. And it doesn't, like – you know, so I, 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 it definitely just stayed with me. I feel like an oddball no matter where I am. It, it comes from agreement. And, you yeah. know, if you... Like, you, we're all... It's like, it's, it was very inclusive. Like, absolutely. we all were, like, we're all talented, like, and got to know each other. Yeah. And because you were in an environment that was inclusive and had ingre- agreement and nourished attached our, and nourishment, nourished our you were talent. able to flourish. If someone had agreed that you are good at patterns, then you would have looked at yourself differently. If someone had agreed that there would have been some options outside of just learning these numbers on a page and that actually would be beneficial for me later in life, right? it would be completely different. World of agreement is a game changer because like, yeah. Yeah. living on the it, outside of that, and then it's like, no, but I'm this. And everyone else is like, no, you're not. And you're like, but no, I am. And like, no, you're not. No, no, you're no, you're awesome on the drums. No, you're a great dancer. It was, you know, and then, but then you get to live in that bubble too. I'm just saying, you live in the bubble. bubble of whatever agreement around you is. But like, yeah. let's say you said you wanted to be a DJ. Now, had someone said to you at that age, you know why you need math? You love music, right? All music is is math. And then you'd have been like, oh, music is math. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I would have taken on music and math as a different thing and understand the fourth and the eighth and da da da. And then that would have had fractions figured out and all that. But no one had that conversation with me. But like, he just chose to call my mom and tell tell my mom, she's asking questions in my class. Fuck you, Mr. Massimo. Uh, (laughs) Fuck you, Mr. Massimo. Like, I I disagree. And I, I, and going back to comedy, I'm sure he was an asshole. But, uh, like, I'm sure he was a very nice. Nice man, but yeah. he definitely did I was not obsessed that well. And still, I'm I've thrown shade for days. I'm obsessed with <laughs> Richard Pryor, and I, this is an obnoxious opinion, time. but when I was a kid, like, I grew up, my parents are still married, like, middle class, I'm the first, like, grandson, like, I was supposed to be, like, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, and I was an artist. My parents and are married, keep bragging. I know, it's like, I said, like, I have, no, I have no reason to do, I have no reason to do stand-up, I got Netflix at home, like, what am I doing trying to do stand-up shows? And, um... But I, I said this in front of, like, a group of, like, actors that I was in school with. And, like, they, like, I was an outsider there because, like, they were talking about, like, Brecht. And I was like, I just want to do, like, Rocky movies. Like, that's my, that's why I want to be an artist. And um, I said that, like, I was obsessed with Richard Pryor. And, like, part of me as a kid fantasized because, like, Richard Pryor's life was, you know, he grew up in a bordello. His grandmother was the madam. His mother worked in the bordello. His dad was, his dad, I guess, was the pimp. And, um, 
he had this crazy life and nobody ever gave him a shot like he was a he was a nobody he had no chance and he fought against all of that and became the greatest stand-up comedian of all time most of the guys that grew up like me are you know r- you know running pizzerias and or you know small law practices right. so for me like i i if anything for like art i think art is forged in fire you know what I mean? I think it's not about depression. It's not about you don't have to have you know a, a drug addict for a mom to be a great artist. But if you are com- if you survive that kind of experience and get out of it alive, I think a lot of beautiful stuff can come out of that. To piggyback on what you were saying, the pressure of like my my dad's a pastor. I'm also the firstborn son of like a pastor, and then like you know I'm in theater, actor. Like there was always this pressure of oh you're going to go to Howard, you're about to be like you know huge this this and this. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I'm gay, dealing with that that's that like fire, dealing with this you know. Uh, pastor or father but like on the inside I'm like going to like look at dicks at the mall like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know those like issues that like happen but and now I'm doing this swinging yeah. in dick yo um, <laughs> yeah so Paul like yeah. how uh, how how do you feel like starting comedy a little bit later in life yeah I mean the, the way I think about it is like I could think about it like like I'm, I'm tense, you know, it's hard. But I, I the most optimistic way I can think about it is that I can relax because I've already not made it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, like, oh. like guys in their like who are like 22 and they're doing comedy, they have pressure. You know, like they gotta yeah. they gotta make it before they're like 28. They gotta. Like, I've already not done that. Like that's already failed. You know, so I get to just like just try comedy and like you know it's like oh I could just for a year or two I could just work on Joe. You know, like I'm in no there's no pressure. You know what I mean? Like if I just yeah. stop for a year. No one's gonna know, you know what I mean? It's like, and then I could just start, and it's like, it's not people are gonna be like, oh, well, you didn't do it when you were forty-three. It's never gonna happen, you know. It already you know, never happened. You know, your bills are gonna be paid, like so yeah. that takes that pressure off, yeah. it, which is nice. Yeah, because well, like, no, I mean, uh, oh, sorry, I also think that when bills are being paid, yes, but I think that you're going like you're reaching and grabbing beyond that, and you're just and there's a sense of ease to it because yeah. it's just like, no, this is just what I'm going to do. It's yeah. like a decision, you know. It sounds to me like as easy as crossing the street. Like, I'm going to make a right, and that's just what I'm going to do. And there's no, I must be the right choice, because you're not attached to it. I, I don't yeah. know. I like the No, I still and I hang out with all these, I mean, I'm, you know, do shows and everything with all these, like, 25-year-old guys. And, like, they're all, I just try to keep thinking that, because, like, I can get sucked into their way of thinking of, like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And, like, I'm like, oh, I know I don't have to do any of that. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's like I started um, comedy a little bit later, but... Um, I mean, like, later for, like, the the young side of later, and, like, part of me is still kind of like, oh, if I had started, like, five years sooner or eight years sooner or whatever, like, I I would be in a good place. And then another part of me is just, like, that's just not where my life was taking me at that moment. And I also kind of feel, um, like, when... I, again, going into the fact that I kind of feel like comedy is drawn a little bit on on pain, that when and and life is that like when you're young, like you haven't really done anything, like you know, like you might have done some shit, and like oh, your parents got divorced, or maybe your dad's an alcoholic, but like you haven't really done anything yet or experienced enough to 
write about like it, you know it, it's it's kind of just like an, an author that it's like you need to like go out and, and like live life before you can like write about life I, I, yeah I, mean, I think i think you're right in many ways but also i feel like a lot has happened a lot happens to people i mean looking back like i'll be like oh it's emerson all this kind of stuff happened but like i think the biggest thing was like when you're young like you just think you're invincible like you just yeah, don't you you're do. optimistic you don't like like, it takes a while. I think the biggest thing is, like, life has to kick you in the face, and you're like, oh, all those plans. Like, I'm not going to be the one that makes it to the top. And, like, this is what it feels like. And, you know, then you can, like, find something there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like, I just kind of feel like you just need to go through life. And, and, and I know, like, you know, some great comics that made it, like, started when they were you know, teenagers, but, like, for the most part, I do kind of feel like you need to go out there and you need to live life and you need to have, like, life kicking in the balls a couple of times before you have anything to write about because, like, n- no one cares that your mom's a bitch. You know what I mean? It, it's just, like, no one cares that, like, you didn't get asked to prom. No one cares that, like, you've got an overbite. Like, y- you know, it's, like, these are things that I feel like young people are kind of... Uh, and young people back in the day when young people needed to have a personality, now young people just <laughs> need to have an Instagram presence. And a filter. Wow. And a wow. filter. Right. And it, it, a filter. You don't even look like that. You got pimples. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like... I think that we forget that like w- you have to have an audience, and the audience are people that are living life, that have their struggles, that are probably middle-aged and have you know had the babysitter for the night, and they want to go and re- release and have relaxation away from their regular life. And they don't want to hear like words of wisdom from 23-year-olds that live in Bushwick. Like They want to hear from people that they can identify. It's like, oh, tell me again how your trust fund is paying for your rent. Yeah, like, I, I, I auditioned for this one club, and uh, it was it was great because I uh, had like one of my best shows ever. But I was just walking around before the show, and it was all like people in their thirties and forties with kids. Like they looked like they had kids, and like I was like, I am gonna crush this show. So now um, we're actually uh, we're gonna have to start wrapping it up because Reem is giving me that bitch. You got three minutes. Get the fuck off. Look, um, but uh, before we go, Paul, where can everyone see you? Where can they follow you on social media? What projects, gigs do you have going on? Yeah, I um, I mean I run I do, I do some shows. I'm you know I'm in Greenwich Comedy Club, Broadway Comedy Club, and other places. Stuff I'm pushing is uh, my kid shows. I do family shows with for, so I do stand up uh-huh. comedy shows like that are kid friendly. Oh okay. uh, And uh, yeah, I'm all about that. Part, it, was, it was partly because like, how do I do comedy and like during dad weekends? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so my daughter and I host a show in Long Island City. Uh, your, your daughter does. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. She's ten. Uh-huh. And uh, it's called the Guess What Show. Guess What Comedy Show. And then I also have a show in uh, the Village Lantern in Manhattan, and we just started that a few months ago, and it's called uh, Bring Your Mama, which okay. like, <laughs> my, my co-producer is black, so I bring really <laughs> okay. yeah. But that's cra- it's crazy because we've actually been selling out uh, our shows, awesome. and Long well, Island City is like it's a fun show, it's a scrappy show, we have a good time. But I think it's just like Manhattan; it's just everybody, you know, everyone comes out for that, and so. Yeah, we're having a good time. So, you know, come to either one of those shows or during the day, and they're a lot of fun. Um, And what where time? can I see the schedule, and yeah, what yeah. what days um, are those? Check on Facebook. Go on Facebook and look for, uh, or, or Eventbrite, and uh, look for uh, Guess What Comedy Show or Bring Ya Mama. 
which again, I always feel weird <laughs> saying, but I, no, it's like don't you have a you have a black pregnant girlfriend? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> And congratulations. I wanted to Thank say you. that. I'm yeah. so glad. <laughs> and, 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 like, do you know where you're having it? Uh, no. No, okay. I don't. I oh, you're going to give it a surprise? Yeah, it's a surprise. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. the best. Okay. I just want to kid who's into dinosaurs. That's all I want. Uh, <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure they will be. Uh, and, and just very quickly, uh, Peter, where can everyone see you next? Uh, you can find out my information on Facebook or Instagram. It's Peter Garacci, G-U-A-R-R-A-C-I. Dara. I'm just sad my name isn't Mary, so we could have Peter Pearl and Mary. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Chocolate Gem with a J, uh, Instagram, and Dara Jamat on Facebook. And uh, yeah, you'll find my shows there. Well, I'm Marissa with a Y, so you can call me Mary. Uh, <laughs> yes! Um, you can catch me at Broadway Comedy Club for Fashionably Funny on September the 29th at 10 o'clock. Uh, check out my uh, website, marissasmith.com. And on Monday, I am going to be at the uh, the pit at uh, 8 o'clock. Ronna Daniels. Oh, I'm going to be hosting Fashion Be Funny with the one and only Marissa be. Smith. He will be. On the 29th, so very excited about that. Um, I got some shows coming up. You can look me up on Ronnie Daniels, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, you guys. Have an amazing Friday. North Korea, please listen to Dennis Rodman. Don't blow us up. And everyone in Florida, be safe, and I hope you have a floaty. Yes. Good night. Your rain on the top is short like leprechauns as I crush all you whack MCs and rapper thugs. That was refreshing. Yeah. You can catch me in the Mecca. Look at so mean. <laughs>